This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County and Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb, Sycamore, So we're covering most of central Illinois, much of northern Illinois as well. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. I hope everyone out there had a happy fourth. It's good to be back. We've been gone, I think, for about three shows now. So uh, various things came up. I guess the fourth was one of them. And then uh, Memorial Day, too. Memorial Day back there, I guess. And then also... uh, uh, we had a, some some somebody in the station here had a bout of COVID, and uh, that uh, stopped things for a little bit, and things are getting back to normal again. So again, it's good to be back, and uh, we, I think we've missed since about uh, June 11th, something like that. Uh, a lot of things have been going on since that time, of course. But uh, before we get into some of that, uh, remember we are brought to you by you. And it's your donations and your help that make our show possible and make Spirit Radio possible. And, of course, keep the whole network of EWTN going. So anything that you can donate, we would always appreciate. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about us, you can go to our website. And that's CatholicSpiritRadio.com. Again, that's CatholicSpiritRadio.com. You can also call us if you'd like to call us at the station. Our number is 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427. But go to our website. That's the best way to contact us. It tells a lot about us there. You can find out more about us that way. And it will tell you how to make a donation. And uh, anything that you can give, large or small, always would be appreciated. Uh, there has been, again, as I say, a lot of things going on since we were here last. Of course, the biggest thing, I guess, is the Roe versus Wade Supreme Court decision. And the Supreme Court uh, ended Roe versus Wade, and it has caused a huge wave of controversy back and forth across this nation. The more I see on television and hear on the radio, the more I think we're living in a mad, 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 mad world. And it really does seem crazy out there. Uh, The whole idea of the Supreme Court getting rid of Roe versus Wade was simply to acknowledge that they had no control over abortion in the first place, that that's not a a federal uh, situation. There's no federal authority there. It was always regulated by the states. They didn't assume any power. And it was not a power play, like our president is saying. It was actually a giving up of power that they really didn't have. It was a sensible decision. The whole thing goes back to the states. It certainly didn't end abortion. And it goes back to be regulated as it always had been prior to the Roe versus Wade decision. And that was regulation by the states. And uh, it gives more democracy. It's not against democracy than there was before because the states then can decide to do as they wish along those lines. States always had regulated things and and that's how this whole controversy started with the Hobbs decision in Louisiana. It was an attempt to, or was it Mississippi? I think it was Mississippi, wasn't it? It was an attempt by states to put limits on abortion. 
Uh, there have been situations where states couldn't even put health regulations into effect uh, regulating abortion, in, in which, of course, they put into effect concerning other illnesses and diseases. And somehow, because of the power of the federal government, they were unable to put ordinary uh, concerns and care into effect in their own states. And the Supreme Court recognized that this was just a usurpation of power and it had to go back to the way it was and let the people of each state decide in their own common sense way how to regulate this thing. There are other uh, implications that uh, this brings about that I won't get into in this show. But nevertheless, that is a little bit of an outline of what's going on. And yet we have a reaction by the current administration that, in my opinion, is totally out of line. It's attacking the Supreme Court. And uh, it's certainly uh, okay to disagree with the Supreme Court decision. But to attack the court itself is somehow uh, needing uh, to be changed and corrected and uh, causing uh, a, a lack of uh, faith in our institutions is not a good thing for any administration to do. Linda, you want to get in on this a little bit before we go further? I think that this whole idea is they have carried it to the extreme, the administration and so forth has, because this has not limited abortion in any way. It's just turned it over to the states to decide, but they act like it was totally taken away. We still got a lot of work to do to, to really end abortion. And the point is, you see all this evil, all the evil around us that's going on, the insanity, and it's all over the world. You look at the, is it the Netherlands that we saw? Uh, they're trying to take, as they say, the cow's emission, emissions are they need to be reduced 50 percent now how you you know this is insanity is so many insane things like this are going on and did we ever think that what the source of that is it's evil it's totally evil i think because i believe in in Saint, that Satan exists. And I believe this is his work. He is so mad about just uh, overturning things that he wants. And boy, is he getting back at us. There certainly is a lot of confusion in the world. And I think that it's, of course, a lot of this is simply a way of using, uh, creating uh, crises and uh, creating uh, the problems and so forth on purpose in order to use them to advance your cause and it's become political and that's what a lot of it is. It's creating crises that don't exist. This whole idea that somehow cows are producing too much methane and this whole idea that we are going into some kind of drastic climate change which is going to end life on earth in 30 years. All of this is overblown. And uh, we can look back in the past and see that the earth has changed, its climate has changed many, many times and has gone to further extremes than it seems to be going to at this time. And, uh, of course, in a lot of ages, people weren't even here yet. But in ages uh, not long ago, 15,000 years ago or so, we had an ice age and people coped with it. And they certainly didn't have the uh, technology and all of the things of modern civilization that we have. And yet they were able to come through it uh, without all of the hysterics and the nonsense that is going on today with people uh, 
out blocking roads and everything else in order to call attention to the climate change and this insistence that unless we do drastic things, wreck our economy and everything else, uh, try to live on 18th century technology in a 20, in a 21st century world, uh, that, that we're all going to die. The fact is, is if we listened to all of this stuff and acted on it, we probably would die. So that's how I feel about a lot of this. And I think you're right, Lynn. A lot of this is demonic and satanic. We're living in a liberal world. And that liberal, when I mean liberal, I mean liberalism. And liberalism is the idea that uh, everything is material and everything can be reduced to its components. And uh, it's called reductionism. And it leads to a man-centered world in which somehow human beings think they are in control of everything and also responsible for everything. And it leads to a sort of madness. And it leads to a progressivism, something we call progressivism, that uh, can never rest anywhere uh, and can never find any kind of a pattern or situation or tradition that it can continue to follow and stabilize itself. Instead, it's always advocating change just for the sake of change because everything can be reduced to something else and it's always relative and it has no place to rest. And uh, in materialism, you really can't find any absolute uh, principles of morality or behavior or anything else. And it leads to a dissolution of government a dissolution of society. We have the words celebrate diversity. And actually, it was Jesus Christ that called us all to be one. And at one time in our own country, the idea was out of many one and uh, not having a diverse group of people that are all acting against each other. And that's what we seem to have degenerated in today. We need to remember again as Catholics that it was Christianity that built Western civilization, created science, and gave us the stability that uh, made our modern society. And without that Christian base, especially the Catholic base, the unity that it provided, our society can't stand. And I've said that many times, and I'll stick by that. And uh, I think uh, if you want to say anything more on that, you can say it. But I want to get into a little bit more about the Ukraine situation today. And I said last time that uh, I would go into the spiritual uh, concept, uh, you know, aspect of uh, what's happening in Ukraine. And uh, we've had three interruptions here where we didn't have a show and uh, had to use uh, repeats and have not been able to get to it. I'd like to get to it today. And the reason it fits in with Catholicism is because it is shows us in Ukraine, there really is a microcosm of actually what's happening in society. There is, in a microcosm, we can see the conflict between traditionalism, between sort of traditional Christianity and modernism. And that's what I'm going to bring out today uh, in, in an article in Chronicles Magazine, the June issue, and it's by Edward uh, Stavarsky. And... Uh, it's called Foreign Policy as Spiritual Warfare, A Conversation with Alexander Duggan. So I'm going to get into that article and we'll use the rest of the time to talk about it. Before I start, I want to ask my wife if she has anything further to say on what we were talking about. No, I think I kind of said it. I, I'm concerned. I just, 
I myself would probably I'd get too involved in it, and that takes away from what I should be doing is praying about it and not ranting and raving about it. Well, I don't think you're ranting and raving, but at any rate, uh, if, uh, if you have no more to say on that, then we'll get on with this article. It's a very interesting one, and uh, it talks about the spiritual side of what's going on in Ukraine. People probably think that that's sort of startling, that they're, well, what kind of spiritual side could there be? But as the article goes along, I think you begin to understand this. Uh, it's talking about this Russian philosopher, Alexander Duggan. And uh, it's talking about how he influences uh, Vladimir Putin. And Vladimir Putin's thinking is historical. Uh, it concerns uh, Ukraine in the sense that uh, the Ukraine historically has belonged to Russia. So there's this historical tie there. And there's also a tie, as Alexander Dugan uh, himself makes clear in this article, spiritually with the whole idea of Russian spirituality and the tradition of the Russian Orthodox Church. So it is, pertains very much to us as Catholics. And so let's get into the article. Uh, it says here, Russian philosopher, mystic political strategist, radical bohemian, and geopolitical guru, Alexander Duggan is notorious, yet few in the West know much about him. Described by some as the brain of Russian President Vladimir Putin, Duggan is often depicted by Western media as a, Ras as a Rasputin-esque figure with a dangerously eerie grip over Russia's political and intellectual elite. And uh, this Rasputin-esque, of course, is referring to a monk by the name of Rasputin, who was very, very influential, uh, a radical monk in a, uh, during the uh, early 20th century when the Russian Revolution was just beginning and starting to go on, Rasputin had a lot to do with it. And he was a very mis mystic, mysterious uh, person. Uh, people tried to kill him a number of times, poisoning, and they shot him, did a number of things, and were unable to actually kill the guy, and all kinds of tales and so forth uh, of uh, powers and stuff grew up around Rasputin, and uh, he was a spark in the Russian Revolution, and they're sort of referring nowadays to this Alexander Duggan as being like Rasputin in that respect. Duggan's political philosophy is aimed at the creation of a multipolar world in which the U.S. is no longer the world's sole superpower. He also envisions a fourth political theory that will be neither capitalist, communist, or fascist, but an entirely new compilation adopting the good facets from all three systems. But unlike most political theorists, his beliefs are imbued with the occult and mystical hermeneutics, and that is interpretations you know, of the Bible. Those who do not get a grip with his spiritual beliefs will be doomed to shallow and soulless understanding of his influence. So it's important. I've always said that the religion, people are religious no matter what they say. And there's no such thing really as a secular world. People who try to be secular end up <laughs> inventing their own religion one way or another. And so religion plays a big part uh, in what Putin is doing. I interviewed Duggan in February, several weeks before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and asked him to explain his Christianity and how it has influenced his philosophy. 
It's a topic that interests him greatly, and his response reflected the intensity of his interest. Duggan told me that his path to Christianity came in three important stages. The first was his baptism as a child on the behest of his great-grandmother, but he did not pay much heed to the faith while growing up under the influence of a communist society and an atheistic father. The second stage came at the age of 18, when he fell into a circle of underground Russian radicals who were intent upon rejecting the utopia maxims and mythos of communism. They introduced the young Duggan to the alien world of esoteric traditionalism through Gwinnon and Julius Evola. He said their teachings filled his spiritual void. Esoteric traditionalism advocates that all civilizations and peoples should return to the spiritualism of their traditional cultural archetypes, Russians, of course, being natural Orthodox Christians, for example. For Duggan, Gwenin and Evola gave him the foundation from which he began to critique modernity and look deeply into Russian Orthodox Christianity. Duggan said that during the late Soviet period and in the first five years of the 1990s, he could not bring himself to reconcile true tradition with intellectual Christianity and that he was discouraged by the outlook of contemporary Christian believers. Eventually, he humbled himself into accepting orthodoxy, submitting himself to its religious discipline in order to gain access to the sacraments. This submission ultimately led to the third stage. He joined a small branch of the Russian Orthodox Church, which, while still in communion with the Moscow Patriarch, practiced the old rite of the pre-Nikon reforms. So we're going to stop here and take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll finish the rest of this article and show how this man influences Putin in his thinking as to Ukraine and the war that's going on there. And it's something that we should certainly understand. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks. Others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. The next Catholic Spirit Radio pilgrimage is September 29th through 30th. We'll be going to Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica. We'll tour the Mother Angelica Museum and visit the Rhoda Weiss Miracle House. Rhoda had the stigmata and interceded for the curing of Mother's physical ailment. This bus trip also includes a tour of St. Mother Theodore Guerin Shrine at St. Mary of the Woods, Indiana. Check the Catholic Spirit Radio website for details. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're talking about uh, the situation in Ukraine, and we're talking about how uh, Vladimir Putin is influenced uh, spiritually by a philosopher and spiritualist uh, named Alexander Duggan and uh, his uh, influence on the situation in Ukraine. 
It's talking about how he, Alexander Duggan, came to be a Christian and his whole idea of the Russian Orthodox Church and uh, the Russian Orthodox Christianity, and again, how it's influencing what, uh, Alex, uh, what Vladimir Putin is doing uh, in that country and uh, doing maybe in, in, in his whole idea of fighting that war. Uh, he's talking about here how Duggan returned to uh, the Russian Orthodox Church and uh, follows uh, a, one of its older rites. And he goes on here, it says, the old rite appealed to his appetite for tradition and is somewhat similar to how a remnant of Catholic traditionalists prefer the pre-Vatican II liturgy, disciplines, and sacraments. And that's referring, I'm sure, there to the people who are uh, tied to the Latin Mass and like the, the old Mass and the old liturgy and uh, who are uh, more tied to the traditional Catholic dogmas as they have always been understood and interpreted. And Duggan is the same way in res with respect to the Russian Orthodox Church. Duggan made it clear to me that he felt a great similarity between his return to the church and that of the American Guanonian traditionalists and Orthodox priest Seraphim Rose, who was baptized as a Methodist and converted from atheism. And he's talking there about converting to Catholicism, to conventional Roman Catholicism. Duggan explained that he chose Orthodox Christianity over Catholicism and Protestantism because he sees the Orthodox Church as embedded into the mythos of Russian and as a part of a tradition from which he cannot detach himself. This is similar also to uh, Alexander Solonitsyn, who spent time in a Russian gulag, and I've talked about before, who became very attached to the traditional Russian Orthodox Church. This response led to a trickier question. How does he reconcile the dogmatic absolutism of Christianity with the open approach toward Eastern religions taken by esoteric traditionalism, which could be seen as indifferentism to the Orthodox mind? Duggan responded that Evola and Gwynion taught him to respect different sacred religions and not to compare differences between them, but instead to compare them against modernity. Everything anti-modern is good, Duggan said, seeing different religious traditions and union with this principle allows him to reconcile non-Christian and non-Orthodox traditions. In other words, he says the various religious traditions can unite against modernism. And he's talking here about what I was talking about, modern liberalism, the whole idea of a materialistic universe dominated pretty much by what we now call secularism and where man is at the center of everything, and which leads to a breakdown of everything into its components, and it leads to an individualism of people that is extreme and is causing a lot of the problems that we see around us today. He admits rather paradoxically, however, to the belief that one must fully assent to the teachings of one's Christian religion, including its emphasis that all other faiths are in error. Duggan indicated that he gets around this difficult problem by finding ecumenical commonality. He stated that, for instance, if a Catholic fully lives his religious tradition, 
then it is possible to find commonality with other traditional religions in a mutual opposition to modernity. Again, the, the emphasis that different religions that are traditional and opposed to each other in certain ways can come together in, in actually fighting this whole idea of modernism. Now we're beginning to see the kind of influence that he is having uh, on Vladimir Putin in seeing Ukraine as an example of this modernism and uh, that the different religions could come together in fighting it. Duggan said his approach to promulgating his philosophy of anti-liberalism and Russianism is not as focused on Christianity as his other ideas. His aim has always been to create a philosophical language that is universally adaptable to all religions, cultures, and peoples, irrespective of their religious beliefs. To do this, he appeals to Gwennon's idea of a communal fight against the modern world. In Duggan's view, Christianity is a sacred religion among many existing in what he calls a historically eschatological and apolytic time. And eschatological is referring to the end times. And should therefore not be fighting against other religions, but against modernity. Again, there's this idea of this anti-modern theme in Duggan's thinking. All forces must be used to fight against the eschatological modern Western reality, which he said is not only anti-Christian, but also at its roots against Western tradition. That is, it's against itself. And uh, it is. It's, it, modernity seems to be totally against the, the very tradition that modernity comes from, and that is the West. It seems to be out to destroy it and destroy all of the culture and commonalities of the West. Uh, and he says, and therefore, modernity threatens all religious paradigms. Having allowed Duggan to make it clear that he takes a broad and ecumenical approach, I would argue that he actually places more emphasis on Christianity and its role in fighting Western modern, modern, modernity than he likes for pragmatic reasons to admit. Duggan relies strongly on the Christian view of the apocalypse and believes we are living in the age of the Antichrist. This is sort of like an end times view itself a, a little bit, and maybe sort of follows a little bit uh, the, the Protestant uh, view of the apocalypse of the end times. This view is essentially Christian, and is why Duggan strongly expresses the idea that Christians should fight Western modernity. It is important to mention here that he sees the enemy as Western modernity, not the West itself and that Christianity will play a major role in defeating that enemy. Christian civilization no longer exists in Duggan's view. And I think, you know, he, that view is pretty pretty much correct. I think the modern world we live in is totally anti-Christian. And uh, he explains that this disintegration happened in a number of stages. The first was the Great Schism in 1053, of what he sees as the two authentic branches of the Christian church, the Eastern and the Romans. So he's talking about the split between the Eastern, what we now call the Eastern Orthodox Church, and the Roman Catholic Church. Those were one. And then there was a split between Rome and between Constantinople, which represented the Eastern half of Christianity at that time. And uh, that split has existed since then and still continues to exist. And Duggan looks at those two forms of Christianity, the uh, Eastern Orthodox 
and the Roman Catholic form as being the two legitimate forms of Christianity. He says, then the Western church became more individualistic and prepared a path for liberalism. According to some, such as Elaine de Benoit, Christianity, through an inherent defect in its conception of the individual salvation of the soul, introduced the danger of individualism into Western thought. Duggan is careful here to emphasize his disagreement with this view. Despite its emphasis upon individual salvation, Duggan says that Christianity did not destroy the communal spirit, as seen, for example, in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Rather than a creation of Christianity, liberalism is its perversion. So he doesn't see that the church itself created the the anti-Christian process that we see today. He says that it's actually, liberalism is actually a perversion of Christianity. It didn't, it's not inherent to Christianity. And he gives that same idea to not only the Orthodox Church, but the Roman Catholic Church as well. The descent of the Western Roman Church into liberalism followed the pattern of the promotion of nominalism by William of Ockham and the Franciscan monks in the late Middle Ages. And nominalism, again, is the idea that abstractions really don't exist. You know, when we say things like triangularity or uh, redness or something like, uh, you know, treeness or something like these things, these abstractions that we talk about really don't exist. They're just uh, concepts that we make up in our own human mind in order to uh, make our speech and our language a little bit easier, and they don't exist in the real world. And the fact is, is that this whole idea is what leads to this breakdown of everything into material and into individual things. In other words, if, if abstractions that don't really exist in the real world, like say triangles exist, but triangularity doesn't really exist in the the actual material world. Well, the nominalists <coughs> rejected the idea that there are such things as triangularity, for example, or abstractions, for example, and that everything is really individualistic and can be broken down into further individualistic things, and all of those things are material, and uh, the, the abstractions of the mind, uh, the abstractions of the mind really are just uh, non-existent things that the mind makes up in order to simply have a simpler way of talking about things. But then again, that leads, what Duggan is saying here, to what we're talking about in modern liberalism, this idea of nothing but a material world in which everything can be reduced to component parts further and further and further uh, until everything is simply a super individual acting and and, uh, being in a world totally separate from everything else. There's no unification to it. And that this is what Duggan is talking about. And... uh, He goes on, he says, uh, this pattern, Duggan says, created a proto-liberal anthropology and proto-liberal society culminating in its apogee, Protestantism. In other words, culminating in its height, at its peak in Protestantism. This Protestantism and its work ethic led to capitalism as described by Max Weber in The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism. 
and to what Duggan called the creation of a totally secular and hedonistic society. In other words, breaking everything down into nothing but materialistic uh, parts that can be broken down further and further and totally separate from each other and not integrated in any way by abstractions leads to nothing but a pure material focused society, a purely hedonistic society where material pleasure and material gain is the only thing worth pursuing in the universe. It was at this point that I suggested to Duggan a reason for optimism. From a reproductive and demographics perspective, it appears that secularism may eventually wane as religious families have more children than do atheists. Duggan dismissed my optimism, however, calling it an example of Anglo-Saxon false hope that greater numbers by themselves will solve spiritual problems. Christians, he argued, should be focused instead on saving souls. And in this respect, I agree with Duggan, and my wife and I are going to have a show here coming in the future if we can get through this topic without missing, missing more shows uh, on the fact that the Catholic Church itself should be focused on saving souls in relation to what's going on in the modern world. Duggan believes that Westerners in particular have an obligation to fight the forces of the Antichrist, that is, modernity, since it was the West that created modernity. He describes this fight as a spiritual war in which we must not sell our souls to the Antichrist, but be willing to fight until the end and to die to win with Christ. The willingness to fight modernity is more important than the likelihood of victory, Duggan said. God approves of us and will save those who are tested in spiritual battle. And this is an important point here because if this particular uh, point is something that that Putin buys into and believes in, then we could be talking about fighting a war in Ukraine in which Putin doesn't think that winning by itself is the most important thing, but fighting the battle itself is the most important thing. That fighting on the side of uh, a traditional Christianity is somehow a victory that will be approved regardless of whether you win the actual physical battle or not. And so if we're involved in a war, and we are getting into it more, with Russia, and we have uh, a leader, a Russian leader, who is in control of almost everything and believes along those lines, we better understand what kind of a war we're getting into. Uh, It goes on here, it says, This fight must be directed towards what Gwennon called the kingdom of quantity, which Duggan said manifests itself today as liberalism, LGBT culture, artificial intelligence, banks, and capitalism. And uh, we'll get into artificial intelligence at some other time and point out why there really is no such thing. Uh, But uh, there's sort of a substitute that acts like it. Duggan's dramatic religious statements certainly evoke millenarian ideas. In my opinion, however, they are the clearest examples of the power of the Christian faith that animates his radical political and spiritual philosophy. Victory in this spiritual battle against modernity would lead away to Duggan's fourth political theory, 
which would supplant the three political systems of modernity, that is, fascism, communism, and liberal democracy. The fourth theory would deconstruct each of these systems into only their positive elements, combinations of which would be molded according to the traditions of each civilization. Politics in this system would be neither focused on individual materialism, class struggle, or nationalism, but rather what German philosopher Martin Heidegger called being in and of itself. Because the United States controls overwhelming force in the world, we live in a unipolar world. Duggan believes this hegemony must be broken up to allow different poles of world civilization. Examples would, be, would include the Islamic, the Russian, and Chinese poles, with each embodying their own civilizational tradition. This multipolarity is an alternative to globalism. It will allow sociological diversity and end political absolutism in favor of cultural relativism. And so this might be what Putin sees as a goal in this war going on in Ukraine. Ukraine represents the liberal West in Duggan's view. In other words, Putin and Duggan may be looking at Ukraine itself as a microcosm representing the liberal West. That is representing nothing but materialistic hedonism. This is perfectly represented in Duggan's endorsement of an epistle written by the devout Christian oligarch and media executive Konstantin Molotov which describes the Russian entry into the Donbass as a new stage in the life of millennial Russia. Malavev goes on to describe Kiev as having been taken captive by the forces of hell. Based on this assessment, he calls the conflict a means of restoring historical justice in a holy land for all Russian people, which is the catalyst for a new great Russia. So we're going to have to stop here and take a break, and we'll come back and finish this in the, the last section. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. The next Catholic Spirit Radio pilgrimage is September 29th through 30th. We'll be going to Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica. We'll tour the Mother Angelica Museum and visit the Rhoda Weiss Miracle House. Rhoda had the stigmata and interceded for the curing of Mother's physical ailment. This bus trip also includes a tour of St. Mother Theodore Guerin Shrine at St. Mary of the Woods, Indiana. Check the Catholic Spirit Radio website for details. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're talking about uh, the Ukrainian situation, and we're talking about a philosopher and mystic and uh, religious uh, person who has a great influence on uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, and that person is Alexander Duggan, uh, who uh, is that Russian philosopher and religious influence. And we're talking about how he sees the 
war in Ukraine as a war against modernism and how he sees also a war against modernism as being something that would be approved by God, so to speak, and by Christianity itself, regardless of whether you win the war physically or not, simply fighting the war would be a victory for you, evidently, probably, in the idea of attaining heaven or what you know, whatever the Russian Orthodox uh, Christianity uh, represents as being ultimately justified and saved. And that puts a whole new uh, idea of what's going on in Ukraine. And we saw in this article that the FBI itself, the United States FBI itself, recognized this, this whole idea and uh, looked upon some of this as a holy war. So it's not something that's out of the question or something that's extreme. And it's, it's something we ought to think about because if we are involved and get ourselves involved further in a war along this line and also a war in which Russia not only – or Putin himself and Russia itself sees not only this from a religious point of view but also understands that uh, Ukraine – has always been a part of Russia, a very historical part of Russia, and that much of Ukraine has been a part of Russia even before Moscow was a part of Russia, and that Kyiv came before Moscow. You can see there are ties going back and a feeling of justification of fighting a, a, a power, that is us, the, the West, that is offering to Ukraine uh, NATO as a means of preserving its separation from Russia, you can see that there's both a historical factor operating here and a religious factor operating here. And it's a situation in which we are fighting an enemy that not only has uh, that attitude and focus, but an enemy that has uh, the capacity to use uh, nuclear weapons and has those nuclear weapons and has a means of delivering those nuclear weapons very swiftly to almost anywhere in the world. So this is something we should be very, very concerned with and taking into consideration. And this is where the whole religious factor uh, comes in. People might be wondering, why, are, why Bob, are you focusing on Ukraine for all this time, and it's because it, we're getting into something different here than maybe we really expect, and uh, trying to prolong this uh, is not a good idea. And we also should understand that uh, Russia and Putin sees this from a different point of view than we do, and that there are ties uh, going back uh, many, many years even before Moscow was a part of Russia, that this historically was a part of, part of Russia. And it can be seen by Putin and many Russians as something similar to if uh, another power was uh, invading our first 13 colonies or something, for example, and that they belong to us. Also, and we'll get into it in the next session, if we can, that we need to understand that under the Soviet Union, yeah, not under Russia, under historic Russia, but under the Soviet Union, the 
physical, the geographical boundaries of Ukraine were extended and made larger and very different than they were originally. And that when Ukraine, after the Soviet Union fell, demands its independence, Russia is now looking at those old boundaries and in effect saying, look, the Soviet Union created boundaries for you that are artificial. And many of those boundaries are actually usurping Russian territory. So Putin is also seeing it from that point of view. And uh, the, the, the boundaries of uh, Ukraine are not the traditional boundaries that existed uh, back before the Soviet Union came into existence. And Putin is fighting to preserve Russia, not the Soviet Union. And so, you know, there's another article that talks about this that we probably need to get into next week and make this even clearer. So it might go on for a while here. But this is, a, this is something I think we should call attention to, especially as Catholics, because this whole idea is sort of a split between what Putin and Duggan here might see as two arms of Christianity that are actually authentic, that is the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, and the Eastern Orthodox Church, which was one with the Roman Catholic Church uh, before 1053. And it goes on here, it says, the FBI also issued a statement saying that Malafev continues to run a pro-Putin propaganda network and recently described Russia's 2022 military invasion of Ukraine as a holy war. So I, I got a little bit ahead of myself there saying the FBI recognized this, but there's the statement right there that the FBI does recognize this. Malafiev later demonstrates how Russians like Duggan view the conflict in Ukraine as a holy war that will purge modernity from the Eurasian sphere, that is from the Russian sphere, and then what Gwenin described as the Kali Yuga, the Hindu concept for a decadent age of strife and sin. So, I mean, the Duggan here and so forth is looking at this from, an, I guess, an orthodox view, in effect, of the end times. And uh, maybe we should understand how serious this is and how important religion is to people and nations and history. And uh, certainly, as Catholics, uh, we, we ought to emphasize that importance and that the modern world should understand where it really came from in the first place and uh, that its roots go deep and that the way we are dealing with this situation may be very, very materialistically superficial. And we need to go a lot deeper in understanding what's going on here. It, it says here, it is the deep religious and spiritual motivation behind Russia's campaign in Ukraine that has been dangerously overlooked by Western analysts and has forced them to misunderstand Russian motives. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, are we misunderstanding this whole war and what's going on there? And are we looking at it from a very superficial Western point of view, materialistic point of view, and not looking at it as Putin may be looking at it through the eyes of this Alexander Duggan and looking at it as a very holy and historical and uh, religious uh, campaign of Christianity, of a particular kind of Christianity, uh, and step back a bit 
and reassess exactly how we are going on here, uh, fighting an enemy uh, that may be floundering in, in quicksand, but at the same time has a very, very powerful gun, and that gun may be pointing right at our heads. To the extent that Duggan does influence Putin and other Russian leaders, that influence is deeply religious and frames events as a battle between the ideologies of modernity and traditionalism. And so here is this microcosm of a war that's going on in the whole world, really, between uh, materialism and spiritualism, between Satan and uh, uh, God and the angels, uh, between progressivism and traditionalism, between humanism and dehumanism, uh, between this whole idea of so-called artificial intelligence and real intelligence. And so here we have what's going on here, a very, very uh, highly focused example of what's happening in the real world. And maybe by looking at it this way, we can understand exactly what forces are operating in the real world. And according to Duggan, they are traditional Christianity, and we as Catholics represent in the West traditional Christianity. It was the Catholic Church, the Orthodox. When I say Orthodox, I mean the uh, traditional Catholic Church, the uh, church that built Western civilization, and all of the rest is something that seems to be trying to split up that civilization. And this whole, uh, this whole situation in Ukraine is something that we can look at as a solid example uh, that it, it, what's actually going on and has been going on in the real world for a long, long time. It goes here, it says here, uh, the conclusion of this conflict will without doubt have unimaginable consequences upon religion, upon culture, and upon geopolitics for years to come. Duggan's philosophy is making its mark on the world right before our very eyes. And I think we're seeing in this conflict here something going on before our very eyes that explains specifically what has been going on in the whole world generally. And uh, we ought to be very, very careful about how we operate, what the outcome is, and we ought to be looking at our traditional religion for some answers in how we should proceed along these lines. So I'll stop here. And uh, is there anything further, Lynn, that you would like to comment on You know what we've been talking about? We still have some time left. Yes. Um, this is all much deeper than we realize, I think, and as the examples you've been giving here and what you've been reading, we need to take pause and pay attention to that. I think that's very important that we understand the source of all this so that you know how to deal with it well. And I don't think we do. I think we're uh, we're too politically minded where uh, Russia has a little more spirituality behind all this as you pointed out and because of that 
their feelings and uh, reactions are going to be a lot more different than we would anticipate. And again, maybe we aren't historically minded enough to understand how deep, you know, the Russian history goes. And the fact is, is that uh, we're talking here about Russia seeing Ukraine entirely different than the Western world sees Ukraine. It sees Ukraine as historically being a part of Russia. It sees the Soviet Union. I mean, we have to, you know, we, we, we assume that Putin represents, you know, the old Soviet Union because, you know, he grew up and was uh, in the KGB and so forth in the Soviet Union. Right. But it doesn't mean that he's a Soviet. And it doesn't mean that he at all believes in communism. It seems more that he's a Russian and he believes in Russia. And he's looking at this, uh, at Ukraine, historically from a Russian historical point of view. And it has always been an extremely important part of Russia. In other words, Russia itself, not the Soviet Union, uh, prior to the existence of the Soviet Union, fought many bloody wars over the territory of Ukraine. And uh, it even carried off in, into the Soviet Union itself uh, during the Soviet time. Uh, Ukraine became a very, very important part of uh, Russia. And Putin sees the interference of NATO and the interference of uh, the United States as both a, a you know, an, an ordinary enemy interference against something that is strictly and historically Russian business. And at the same time, now we see he's looking through these eyes of Dugan or Duggan and seeing this as both uh, not only historically, but spiritually part of Russia. And I think it's painting an entirely different picture than what we're seeing here in the United States through our news media. Well, I think that's very important because Russia and uh, Ukraine they are one in the Russians' mind, and they always they have been for centuries. Uh, Kiev was uh, a center point of part of the Russian culture. And we forget that. Yes, we do. We forget how many Russians are living there uh, in Ukraine. Uh, we forget the fact that Putin re retook Crimea. That he's not about to allow. Uh, access to the Black Sea to be denied, denied to him. And also, I think, you know, a link into Ukraine, a land link into Ukraine from Russia is seen as something strategically and militarily important. And then along with this religious thing, again, uh, we're forcing him uh, into a quagmire. And, uh, it, you know, you can force a person into a situation of desperation and the fact is, is he's holding his finger on the trigger of uh, nuclear weapons and uh, seeing things from an entirely different point of view than we are. And he sees the modern world maybe as the Catholic Church should see the modern world as being uh, anti-religious, uh, anti-Christian, uh, as being totally given over to hedonistic evils. evils and hedonism and deteriorating into a modernism that Putin rejects. He saw a lot of it, I think, maybe in the Soviet Union itself going that way. And now that the Soviet Union has ended, he doesn't want to see that extended into what he considers traditional Russian uh, uh, culture or traditional Russian territory. And I think he sees... Uh, 
NATO is bringing that. I mean, actually, if uh, the, the war is won by Ukraine, they will no longer retain their historical identity uh, and their historical culture because NATO will insist on the ideas of same-sex marriage, of homosexuality being normalized as a, a, a whole split in divisions of religion and so on. In other words, it will bring, be bringing all the modern uh, right anti-religious anti-religious things into mm-hmm. Ukraine. I think Putin also sees that, and he sees right. himself standing as a, a pillar, a buffer, a buffer uh, of that. And, right, uh, we have to acknowledge that because Kiev was a big s- center for the Eastern. Uh, Orthodox. Exactly. Next week, I'm going to do an article uh, that will explain a little bit more of, you know, from a modern point of view, uh, the political situation there, and then we'll stop. But the reason we're addressing it is because of all of the the religious theme running through all this, and that it represents what's going on all over the modern world in general, and is important to us as Catholics. So we're going to have to stop here. Uh, we'll say our prayer, and we'll come back and talk about this a little bit more next week. So, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, thrust in the hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com. Or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.